What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Today, we're talking about imagination again and how I believe, I believe this wholeheartedly, and I have some evidence and facts back this up, that imagination is supposed to lead to realization. And yeah, let's get right into it. So I want to go ahead and establish the biological basis for all of this. And it is obviously observable. And let's start with the animals, because animals, we are like the animals, but we're not. We get more complicated than the animals, but the animals have a lot of the same behaviors that we do, and it's more easily observable in animals, and it makes more logical sense in animals, because when we look at animals, we don't put our human twists that were super different onto them, if that makes sense. So here's how animals use their imagination in order to realize certain things. And play, play is the main way they do that. We see uh, cub lions playing with each other, they're pretending to bite each other, and and pounce on each other and all that stuff. That is imaginative play, and that is supposed to lead to them having the skills that are necessary to actually go out and do it when they're adults. And this is something that is biologically programmed. Like the mother doesn't tell them, hey, go play fight with each other. Hey, pretend to pounce on each other and stuff. <laughs> it just comes out naturally. It's part of the genetic code that these animals play together to practice the skills that are necessary to do the thing when they're actually old enough. And the next thing that they have, that we also have, is their dreams. You'll see an animal lying down going to sleep, and you'll see it clicking his legs or kicking her legs while she's sleeping or he's sleeping. And pretty much what's happening in their dream is that some predator is chasing them or they're chasing after some predator. And in their dream state, they are practicing what would they, what they'll actually be doing when they're in the wake. And the cool thing about imaginations and super hyper-realistic dreams in pursuit of goals and activities and stuff, is that our mind or our body doesn't recognize the difference between a super realistic, imaginative experience and actually doing the thing. That is why the play that the animals have and the dreams that they have is actually practice. They are practicing these mortal movements in their minds, and it seeps into their biology. That's the best way I can put it. I don't know how else to say that. I know that sounds uh, mystical as hell. <laughs> it seeps into their biology. And then they're able to do the thing in real life. And they get the muscle memory and all that good stuff. Now I want to transition to us humans. And we have those same two things. We have play. You know, when I was a kid, everybody knows the cops and robbers game. And it's like automatic knowledge. <laughs> it's automatic knowledge that kids know what the cops and robbers game is. It's automatic knowledge that we know what the war game is. We play these games and we don't, we don't take them. We take them seriously. But we don't even realize that they're just practice for the real thing. Now, the real thing in the modern world isn't actually the same as the game. Like, most of us aren't going to fight a war, at least here in the United States or in most of the Western world. But the war and the cops and robbers is really just about going out into the world, being assertive and getting the resources that you need to protect your family. Or avoiding the necessary people that you need to avoid to keep your resources. And there is a big correlation between the people who don't have rough and tumble play as a kid and social anxiety and lack of assertiveness and all that stuff, especially in boys. And all the risk taking that we take as a kid, jumping off stuff and climbing stuff that we shouldn't be climbing, all of that is to help us out in the real world to judge risk. And the people who miss out on that, which is tragically a lot of people these days, they're going to have less of an ability or less of an inclination to take risk and to do things that don't seem right or, excuse me, do stuff that is not outside of the normal bounds of range 
of behavior. Think of the relative comfort that we live in as Americans, as Westerners, as wherever you are in the world. You're probably not in a war-torn country. You're probably not fighting a civil war right now. Imagine that the comfort that you live in, and then think about 200 years ago when your ancestors were fighting wars and going across countries on boats and didn't know where they were going. Big risks that people were taking. And now that we have all this comfort and people are standing aside and playing video games and, you know, doing screen stuff instead of going out and taking actual risk, we're seeing that less and less people are going to go out in the real world and take risk as adults. You see a lot of kids, a lot of people who don't want to start a business, they don't want to do X, Y, Z because risk, risk. So play as a kid is a test run, a dry run, a practice session for the risk that you will take as an adult for the resource gathering and resource protection that you have to do as an adult. And the people who don't get that usually falter in their ability in some way. All right, so now I want to move on to dreams, daydreaming, specifically daydreaming, and then I'll get to um, actual dreams. So daydreaming. And I want to give you an obvious biological example that everybody that is a male can relate to. I'm sure females relate to the same thing, but although I've never been a female, so I can't tell you how that experience is, but... You know, there's a time when you're a kid, and then you, you're all of a sudden, like, you see these girls, right? And you're not interested at all, and you don't care about them, and they're kind of annoying, and you wish they weren't there, and they just want to sit and be quiet and don't want to get dirty and stuff. And then you turn 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever that age is for you, right? And the next thing you know, you're obsessed. You're obsessed about girls. They, they take up all your attention, and that's all you think about. And just like the rough and tumble play, and the war games and the cops and robbers, the daydreaming that we have about girls when we turn whatever age that is, is automatic. It happens automatically for us, and we don't have to force ourselves to do that stuff. And the purpose of all that daydreaming and all that those feelings that you have is supposed to get you to take action. And the urge needs to be strong enough for you to take action. Like, imagine if we didn't have the urge to go and talk to women, to go and try to get start a family or whatever. We wouldn't be here right now. So we've been programmed by nature, by evolution to have these strong urges at whatever period of time and to not pursue them is the death of the human race. So we get flooded with all these hormones against our will, but we imagine and imagine and imagine and daydream and daydream about doing stuff. And eventually it becomes to the point where like, you have to do it. If you don't do it, <laughs> your life would just suck. Now that's just an obvious biological example, but there are other things that we do, especially as kids, like the play is also daydreaming at the same time. And even when you're not playing with other kids, if you're not playing war games or cops and robbers, you can daydream about being a, a firefighter or a hotel servant or something like that. When I was a daycare teacher, a lot of the girls wanted to play house. And I would <laughs> try to play house with them. They'll feed me, whatever. I'll, I'll give them the food back. And I'll be like, ew, this food was nasty. <laughs> Like uh, throw the food on the ground and start throwing tantrums. It was a lot of fun doing that. But that was daydreaming and play put together. And it's practice for what happens when they're adults. It's fun now and we don't realize as a kid that, hey, I'm practicing for adulthood doing this. But that's what we're doing. And now I want to transition to like some adult daydreaming stuff that we do. Adult imaginative experiences that we have. And if you're a knowledge worker, a.k.a. you work at a computer and you have to think to do your job, you're going to be daydreaming throughout the day. You have a problem in front of you, and maybe you don't know the answer. Maybe it's not obvious right now. And you think about it, and you think about it, and you think about it. And hopefully it clicks. Hopefully it does click, because if it doesn't click, you risk your job. But 
it clicks in your head eventually. And then that imaginative experience, you put that into the computer, write it down or code it or whatever you have to do for your knowledge job. So those are the three common ways that we use it as humans and how animals use it. Now I want to talk about how to use it for your own purpose. You've already been using it for your own purpose. You just haven't known. Maybe you do know to some extent, but I want to bring it to your conscious awareness of how to use it for your own purpose, which is to say, to accomplish whatever your goals are, for example. So I want to first talk about how people use it against themselves or how they currently use it. And what they do is they fantasize. They have this thing in their head that they want to accomplish in the real world, but they they think about it and they think about it and they imagine and they imagine, but they don't take the action necessary. And that means one of two things that I can think of. It means that either the thing that you're imagining isn't possible. Like if I were to spend my days imagining that I was going to be an NBA player, that would be a waste of time because it is functionally impossible. So that's the first possibility. And the second possibility is that I'm capable of doing it, but I still don't have enough belief to go out and do the thing. And that's okay. That's a better position than the other position to be in. But just keep going (laughs) until you feel like the force is forcing you to go down that direction. Because that's what we do when we're playing. We play so hard and we play so serious as kids and as young adults. And it's real to us. And when puberty hits and all those hormones flood you, it's very motivating. (laughs) And when you're sitting at your job and you have to complete this problem or you get fired, it's very motivating. So you must get motivated if you are in the second uh, scenario where you are actually capable of doing the th- uh, capable of doing the thing. It is possible for you to do it, but you don't believe that you can do it yet. You must keep going, keep doing it until you have it so down in your head that you have no pro- no choice but to go out there and try to do it yourself. And there's another thing that people do that I do sometimes, and I used to do a lot more, but I've been really trying to tap this down on myself. And I realize that as I've been tapping it down on myself, how common it is. And that is, I don't know what the proper word to use for fantasizing. It's like anti-fantasizing. Because when we think about fantasization, right, we think about something that's pleasant. But most people use their imaginations and their daydreaming and their dreams and think about stuff that is terrible, that is tragic, that is sad, that is, um, yeah, not good. Like, for example, somebody wants to leave their job. But they imagine to themselves that, oh, the job market is so hard and it's going to take me hundreds and hundreds of applications. Or they want to talk to some girl and like, uh, no, she's going to reject me in front of all these people. I'm going to be embarrassed and blah, blah, blah. Or they want to get started in the gym and they're like, oh, man, I'm never going to be able to lift those weights that those guys are lifting. Uh, I'm going to be so embarrassed because I can't use the machines and blah, blah, blah. So most people are engaged in using their imaginative abilities, their fantasizing abilities, and the opposite direction of their goals and their purposes and the things that they want to achieve the most. And it's probably one of the most unhealthy things you could do besides chugging alcohol, smoking a tongue and cigarettes, and taking some hard drugs. <laughs> it's probably one of the worst things that you could do to yourself, for sure. So the moral of this podcast is that you have these natural abilities and you can exploit them for your own purposes. So you've probably already done this. Think about a time when you thought about a goal so, so freaking hard and you imagined it and you dreamed about it and you thought about it all freaking day. And eventually you got the balls to take action and you actually accomplished the thing. It has happened for you, I guarantee you, at least once. So go back to that experience and remember it as best you can and take those same principles and apply it to whatever new goals and purposes that you have for yourself. And that's all I got to say for this one, man. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you in the next one. Peace out.